This is Sean Thomas Radcliffe. Welcome to another episode of Preservation Oaks. In this series, we introduce you to professionals from museums, cultural, genealogical, and historical societies across the United States. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the program. Good day, everyone. This is Sean Thomas Radcliffe coming to you from Salt Lake City, and this is Preservation Oaks, the internationally syndicated original talk program on MicroStream Radio, where we feature interviews with professionals from museums, cultural and heritage institutions, historical and genealogical societies across the United States. Thanks for listening. By the way, our main platform is preservationoaks.podbean.com. But wherever you listen to the program, I appreciate it very much when you like, comment, follow, or subscribe. We trust that people want to have a better understanding of these organizations, how they're funded, how each is unique to the communities they serve, what programs and events they currently have underway, and what services they offer to the public and their members. We believe this information is vital for people to know how to work with these organizations and how important it is to join, support, volunteer with, and donate to one or more of these core societies. Remember, your donations to these societies are tax-deductible. Each guest organization on Preservation Oaks brings with them a truly unique viewpoint and perspective around how they tell the story of their communities, how they continue to be relevant for the times in which we live, and what kinds of exhibits and volunteer opportunities they've created. This makes listening to each episode of the program interesting, fun, and diverse. If you're listening and you'd like to be a guest on the program, or if you have questions or comments about the program, spin off an email to preservationoaks at gmail.com. All right, that being said, let's get this show snapping. Our historical events for this episode. On May 1, 2004, eight former communist nations and two Mediterranean countries joined the European Union, marking the largest ever expansion. The new members included Poland, Hungary, the Czech Republic, Slovakia, Slovenia, Lithuania, Latvia, Estonia, along with the island of Malta and the Greek portion of the island of Cyprus. They joined 15 countries already in the EU, representing, in all, 450 million people. May 5th, of course, is Cinco de Mayo, celebrated in Mexico. It's a national holiday in remembrance of the Battle of Puebla in 1862, in which Mexican troops under General Ignacio Zaragoza, outnumbered three to one, defeated the invading French forces of Napoleon III. On May 7, 1945, in a small red brick schoolhouse in Reims, Germany, 
General Alfred Jodl signed the unconditional surrender of all German fighting forces, thus ending World War II in Europe. Russia, America, British, and French ranking officers observed the signing of the document, which became effective at one minute past midnight on May 9th. On May 7, 1992, the 27th Amendment to the United States Constitution was ratified, prohibiting Congress from giving itself pay raises. On May 8, 1945, a second German surrender ceremony was held in Berlin. Soviet Russia's leader Joseph Stalin had refused to recognize the German surrender document signed a day earlier in Reims. This time, German Field Marshal Wilhelm Keitel signed the surrender document which declared, as did the first, that hostilities would end as of 12.01 a.m. on May 9th. On May 14, 1804, Meriwether Lewis and William Clark departed St. Louis on their expedition to explore the Northwest. They arrived at the Pacific coast of Oregon in November of 1805 and returned to St. Louis in September of 1806, completing a journey of about 6,000 miles. On May 14, 1796, smallpox vaccine was developed by Dr. Edward Jenner, a physician in rural England. He coined the term vaccination for the new procedure of injecting a milder form of the disease into healthy persons, resulting in immunity. Within 18 months, 12,000 persons in England had been vaccinated and the number of smallpox deaths dropped by two-thirds. Thank God for medicine. Let me take a drink of Twining's tea. Love Twining's tea. Now, you can email us anytime at preservationoaks at gmail.com. Preservation Oaks is available for listeners on nearly all podcast platforms, Facebook and YouTube. Now, let's learn about our next episode. All right. On our next episode of Preservation Oaks, we'll be meeting with the Norman Borlaug Heritage Foundation located in Cresco, Iowa. Few people in the history of the world have done as much to positively impact humanity around the world as Dr. Norman Borlaug. Born on a small farm south of Cresco, Dr. Borlaug devoted his career to saving the lives of millions of starving people around the globe. In 1970, he was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize in recognition of his work. He's also one of only seven people to have received the Presidential Medal of Freedom and the Congressional Gold Medal in addition to the Nobel Peace Prize. The next episode should be a really good one, so stay tuned for more. For this episode, we greet Sandra Leininger the president of the Union County Genealogical Society located in Creston, Iowa. If you're a resident in the local area, this episode will help you understand what the society has to offer, how you can participate and take advantage of the worthwhile events the society sponsors, and how to best support them by volunteering and donating. So let's greet Ms. Sandra Leininger the president of the Union County Genealogical Society in Creston, Iowa, starting with a brief biography of our guest. Sandra Clem Leininger, president of the Union County Genealogical Society, was born in Rockford, Illinois. Her parents, both native Iowans, returned to farm in Union County when she was three years old. After graduation, she attended Creston Junior College and received her degree in elementary education. Following her marriage to Jerry Leininger, she opened the village preschool in Altoona, Iowa. When her husband's job 
took the family to Northwest Iowa. She taught second and third grade at St. Mary's Catholic School in Danbury, Iowa. When once again a job opportunity moved the family to North Dakota, her love of history and restoration of family heirlooms as an Iowa 4-H'er led her to become the site manager during the restoration of the Bag Bonanza Farm, a National Historic Landmark in North Dakota. With the death of Sandra's father and her husband Jerry's health issues, they returned home to southwest Iowa to an acreage south of Corning. She developed a tourism and historic preservation program for Adams County Economic Development, which included overseeing the restoration and development of the French Icarian Village near Corning. She holds certifications of training from the National Park Service, National Trust for Historic Preservation, and the National Main Street Center. She is currently chair of the Adams County Historical Preservation Commission. Sandra is the mother of four children, grandmother of six, and Nana to one great-grandson. She has instilled in each of them an interest in their roots, as well as her love of family history. Welcome to the program, Sandra. Thank you so much for being our guest. Well, thank you for the opportunity. You know, Union County is a really nice county. It has these rolling hills, and I noticed some fishing lakes and uh, bait stores and things like that. A lot of farmland in Union County. What's the history of Union County? Well, Union County, is, for those who may not be familiar with it, is located in southwest Iowa. We're 75 miles southwest of Des Moines and 80 miles southwest of Omaha, Nebraska. It was organized back during tensions before the Civil War in 1853. The people that wanted to see the Union Preserve decided Union would be a good name for our county. The Mormons were the first white settlers to arrive. They established a way station named Mount Pisgah. They used this temporary home on their way to Utah until 1852. At one time, Southwest Iowa was known as the bluegrass capital of the world. In 1889, the Bluegrass League was formed by 18 Southwest Iowa counties. Two prominent Creston men designed and constructed the first bluegrass palace in Creston, which opened to the public in August of 1889. Today, Union County, their major industry is agriculture, with a thriving county fair where families can show their hard work by entering products, everything from livestock to quilts. Our society sponsors the Genealogy and History Open Class Competition for ribbons and prize money in 10 divisions with 94 classes, including a junior division for ages 16 and under. We also offer some genealogy classes during the fair at the fairground. Oh, that's great. Now, the county seat is Creston. What's the history of Creston? That's right. Creston is fairly unique. It was uh, developed in 1868 as a survey camp for the workers with the Burlington and Missouri Railroad. The campsite was on a crest of the railroad line between the Missouri and the Mississippi rivers. So there's where the name of Creston came from. The area was developed largely for agriculture with related industries accompanying it. Creston was chosen as a division point for the railroad, now the Burlington Northern Santa Fe, and they built a roundhouse, machine shop, and a construction camp. The new railroad station was constructed by the Chicago Burlington Quincy Railroad in 1899. 
the three-story yellow brick structure, French provincial style building, served passengers for 69 years and then was closed to passenger services. Passenger service dwindled in the area. It was renovated in 1978 to serve as a city municipal building. Today, Amtrak then moved into this historic station in 2019 and provides service to Creston, operating the California Zephyr Daily, both directions between Chicago and the San Francisco Bay Area. Preston is also uh, home to Southwestern Community College, and they also are connected with one of our four-year private colleges here in Iowa. So young people and adults can study and get their bachelor's degree doing most of their work right here in Preston. That's so neat. So neat that you were able to preserve that building, too. Yes, there was a big discussion when that happened. There were a lot of people that wanted to tear it down. When Amtrak first started operating in the area, they just built a small metal building where you would go to wait for the train. And in the winter, it was pretty drafty, especially with Iowa's weather the way it is. So I, for one, was pleased because as a child, when I would ride the train, uh, we would leave from that big historic building. And I was kind of pleased to see that it was going to be used for visitors again. Fantastic. Can you provide the audience with an overview of the communities you serve, the diversity of your membership, and the mission and objectives of your society? We're a countywide genealogical society. Union County is made up of 12 townships and seven small communities, many villages, some mostly bedroom towns now to Creston. And we're probably once thriving little communities like the community near the farm I grew up on was called Kent. And at the time I was growing up, we had a general store and restaurant, hardware store, bank, post office, but none of those things are there now. And it's mostly just uh, homes where people live and have jobs in Creston. The diversity of our society I would say as geographical, we have in our membership members from seven different states besides members from other localities outside of Union County and Iowa. Nice. So that's probably most of our diversity. The people that settled here in terms of racial diversity or ethnicity were a kind of a mixed bag. Germans, English, uh, those are probably the two strongest uh, ethnic groups that first came here. Wow, and it's always been sort of a farming area. I noticed the county has an awful lot of farmland. Yes, Southwest Iowa does. One of the histories, as I said, was the bluegrass farming. I remember as a child, uh, we were still uh, stripping bluegrass. That's a type of really rich fodder for livestock. Oh, I was thinking it was the bluegrass, like Kentucky bluegrass, that kind of thing. Is that right? Well, it is. It's a special grass, and it's very good food for your livestock. And bluegrass was grown here. I can remember, as I said, as a child, we had what's called bluegrass strippers, where they stripped the seed from the bluegrass to be used to make into food for the animals. Oh, be darned. Oh, that's really interesting. How did you get into doing what you do now? I know we we read your bio, and it gives a pretty nice picture of you, and thank you for that. But how did you get interested in in genealogy? Well, I wish I'd have been interested a little bit young, a little more so, a little younger, because when I was born, I had nine grandparents still living, four grandparents and five great grandparents, and I wished I'd picked their brains more. 
but I didn't. My grandmother was born in France, and so that always kind of intrigued me as a child. Um, as far as the history part, I was really, through high school, I didn't care a great deal about history. But then I attended junior college to get my education degree, and the history teacher I had just made history come alive and sound so fun and so interesting. That started me down the path. Then I got interested after I was married. When I was first engaged, my grandfather said to me, well, you know, we've had other liners in our family. And so that kind of triggered something. I thought, well, I want to investigate this, if <laughs> how my husband and I might be related. Sure enough, in our area, there were two Leininger families once, and the names were spelled differently. And I come to find out that my grandfather was correct. His aunt had married a Leininger. Then a few years later, my son had to do a project for school where he had to build a family tree. And my husband gave me the family tree that his aunt had done for him when he had to have it when he was a student school. And I was looking through there and come to find out his great uncle's daughter had married my great grandmother's brother. Oh, my goodness. And so we had L-E-I-N liningers and we had L-I-N liningers both in our family trees. That kind of triggered, and from then I've been doing it ever since. I've been doing family history now for probably about 40 years. Wow. Congratulations on that. That had to be a little confusing at times with those liningers. <laughs> it did, because people were always misspelling them. In fact, in the one of the really old Union County histories, they spell our name like the L, and they drop the E. The other thing that was interesting, my family first came to Union County in 1854 and settled in Platte Township. In 1857, my husband's family first came out, the Liningers, and settled across the section of land from my relatives in 1857. But we didn't meet and know one another until we met in junior college. Oh, that's neat. So what's coming up on the horizon for the society? Where are, you, where are you taking it next? We have a lot of things to do. You had mentioned earlier our website. Uh, we've been putting the cemetery records on there. Still have two of the largest uh, cemeteries in Union County that we're working on to get those on. So those are some of our future projects in terms of the society. We would like to grow the society and build it to, to have more people involved and find more people that we can help get interested in their family history. Very nice. By the way, you have a beautiful website. Thank you. Listeners, you should really go there and check it out. It's very well organized and very nicely done. What kind of funding model supports the society? What are your funding goals this year? We don't have big funding goals other than we have a couple, three streams we use. We do benefit. We have what we call First Saturday, First Saturday program. And that is where we bring in a speaker to speak on a particular topic. They're held on uh, the first Saturday of every month throughout the year with the exception of December and January. And they're a three-hour class from 12 to 3, where a speaker will not only do a presentation, but then help us with the research and making sure we understand, the, you know, uh, how to do the things that she shared with us or he. 
So we do earn some money from that. There is a discount for members. The classes, I think, are only $5 for members and $10 if you're a non-member. Our membership fee brings in a fair amount of money. And as I said, we do have members from throughout the country. After COVID, we added Zoom. So that gives people incentive that live outside our area to join because they can attend these classes over Zoom on Saturday, as well as our regular meeting nights, which is uh, once a month with the exception of December. The other thing that we started that's becoming an annual event is a one-day genealogy conference. And we do bring a speaker in. It's a day-long conference. The presenter does four different classes throughout the day. We have two in the morning. We break for lunch and two in the afternoon. It gives people a chance to network. People that may have hit a brick wall or need help, they can ask other people and we kind of share our problems and try to help one another find solutions. And that has become, as I say, an annual event once a year. And that brings in some funds. And once again, there is a discount for those who are members. I guess the last funding stream we would have would be our Root Cellar gift shop. And we do have books that we have published throughout the years that are on there for sale, both to the membership or the general public can purchase those through our website. We also have a couple of mementos. There's a really nice canvas book bag that's really great for keeping your research together when you're going to make a research trip somewhere. And we have a mug with our logo on it, too. So those are the main ways we we do not get any support from the city or the county. We're a nonprofit operation. Do you guys have Amazon Smile? Can people use that? That is one of the things we have, yes. Okay. So listeners, you can always go on Amazon Smile and look for Union County Genealogical Society and specify them as someone that you would like to give money to. And Amazon Smile makes it very easy. Anytime you shop, they give a small donation to your chosen charity, and then you get reports on how much was given and how much was given by everyone involved. I might also add, we have been fortunate in donations. Recently, we received a donation from a member in, she joined, first of all, from Florida. And then she sent us a rather large donation just because she really appreciated the work we were doing and helped her find some things that she had been looking for. Oh, that's great when uh, people do that. So what kind of fundraising activities does your society offer? We don't really have fundraising activities outside of the events I mentioned. Uh, The First Saturday program and our annual conference is our main fundraising activity. Okay. For membership, are there membership levels? Yes, there are. We have four levels. The first level would be you receive the newsletter by email. These are individual memberships. There's an individual membership to receive your newsletter by email. There's a individual membership to receive your newsletter by the U.S. Postal Service. The third one would be a family membership. There is also a membership for youth. Thank you very much for that. Mm -hmm. Do you have any types of specialized certificates or other programs? Several years ago, they did have a pioneer certificate program 
And that is something we are looking into reviving and bringing back as another way of maybe earning a little more money for our organization. That is something that they have done in the past and we would like to do again. Nice. How did COVID-19 affect your society? In 2020, it affected us financially because we did not have in beginning in um, March of 2020, we did not have any of our first Saturday programs that whole year, and we had to cancel our one-day conference. Then we thought, well, we'll be able to do this in 2021, and we didn't have a conference again because about that time, Iowa was hitting its stride again in cases. So I think we lost probably about a year to a year and a half of meetings. Wow. When we came back, we decided to come back, well, and our library was closed, which is where we meet. We meet in the genealogy room at the uh, Gibson Memorial Library in Creston. And they were closed during that time also. They just had curbside for people to pick up books and return them. When the library opened, we started our monthly meetings, and we had a few towards the latter half of 2021 we started in probably about August, I would guess. And we started having then our first Saturdays and our monthly meeting. And we decided to add Zoom. So both of those programs are available now on Zoom. And just recently, now that things are kind of opening up again, the uh, organization discussed whether to continue it. And we did decide we were going to continue doing those over Zoom because it is a nice membership benefit for those who live away from the area or even members in the area. Maybe you've got a conflict, but you can have an hour to come to a meeting over Zoom, but you don't have that extra hour to drive to the meeting and back if you live a ways away. Yeah. Do you videotape your events and put them on YouTube? We have discussed that, but we haven't yet, but that's something we are definitely looking into. Nice. That would be really nice because you've got some very interesting events. Yes, and we have been so fortunate. The Iowa Genealogy Society is very active, and they have some really good, experienced people that we've been able to get to come down here to be presenters for us. For example, the conference that we just held on April 23rd, Alice Hoyt-Bean was our presenter. She's a board-certified genealogist. Her business is called Prairie Roots Research. She lives in Iowa, grew up in southern Iowa. She's a sixth-generation Iowan, but she does regional and national conferences. So she is a really accomplished speaker, and every time she comes and, and does a program for us, we learn so much from her. That's very nice to have someone like that in the area. Yes, and we have some others like that that live in the Des Moines area that come down and do work for us that have been very generous with their time and talent. What are your regular research hours? Our research hours coincide with the library hours. They can go to the Gibson Memorial Library site in Preston and find out what their hours are. I know that on Saturdays, they're open from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. On Monday nights, I think they open every day at 10 a.m. And on Monday nights, they're open till 8 p.m. When is the Genealogy Society closed for holidays or special events? Our society as such is not 
really closed. The library is closed on certain holidays. I talked to the librarian in preparation for our program today and asked her when were the peak times or the best times to research. And she said the times that is not the best is Monday late afternoon to evenings because they have a lot of activities then. And Wednesdays, uh, there's a lot of activities going on in the library. And many times they're using the genealogy room for those activities. Okay. However, during those times, the library does have several computers that can be of use to a researcher. And they do have an ancestor uh, program on their computers. So when you go to the library, you can get on Ancestry for free and use that research tool. Oh, that's very nice. Are there any records that you have that are restricted in any way? No, there are not. All the records are in the genealogy room and and you have access to those, except for the times I mentioned when it might be an activity going on there or a meeting and you can't get in there. But the rest of the time, no, there. That's the only restriction you would have. And if I come to the genealogy room, can I make copies? Is there a copy machine? Yes, the library does do copies for you. There's a small charge for that. They also have a microfilm reader for all the newspapers and things like that. If you find an article that you want in the newspaper, you can make a copy of that. It's hooked up to the printer, so it'll print you out a copy. Okay. And can I actually make a photocopy of any of the records that I might access? Yes, you may. You can also bring in any of your electronic devices, such as a camera, scanner, portable scanner, those types of things. Those are acceptable. Very nice. That makes it so much easier for people doing research. It does. And you've mentioned the best times to visit. So stay away from Mondays and stay away from Wednesdays. Yes, Monday after late afternoons and all day Wednesdays and Wednesday evening, yes. And is the society open or the library open on weekends? Just on Saturdays from 10 to 3. It's closed on Sunday. Okay. Is there a lunchroom or are there nearby restaurants and nearby parking? Crescent is a town of just a little over about 7,500 people. Okay. Uh, There are multiple restaurants, everything from McDonald's to Hardee's to Subway or sit-down restaurants inside. They have several restaurants in the area with good food, as well as you can pick up things at the deli at the Hy-Vee. And if I come in to research now, the reason why I might come in from another state or another area is because not all the records are online. And so... There may be a case where I have to come in, you know, fly into the to the regional airport and come mm-hmm. in. Are there hotels in the area? Yes, they have several hotels here in Creston. And the other thing, if you're wanting to come here, I have an example I can share with you. The best thing for the researcher to do is to call the library number at the Gibson Memorial Library. And we have a member that is a librarian at the library, and she is their genealogy librarian. And she is excellent if you tell her what you're looking for and what you need, and when you'll be here, she will know which member might have the expertise to help you with what you need. Last week, I got a call from a lady in Seattle, Washington. She and her husband will be here the end of June. 
and she was asking if I would have some time to meet with her because I live in Adams County, which is the county directly west of Union County, even though my family's roots were in Union County. And her family had farms in both Adams and Union County. So our librarian, Terry, gave her my number to contact because she knew I would have access or be able to help her with Adams County as well as Union County. So Terry's very good about putting the right two people together to help them with their research. So I will be helping this lady when she comes in June. Wonderful. Are there genealogists in the area for hire? Uh, Yes. Uh, We have um, many of our members are well experienced and our society does uh, have that on our website that we will help do research for people. We charge $10 an hour. That's another way we can earn a little money for the society. And plus there is a small charge if there's copies or if we have to drive somewhere, if they want us to go to Des Moines to the Iowa Genealogy Library, which is right across the street in Des Moines from the State Historical Library of Iowa. Sometimes people will call and want us to do research there for them. And so then there's a small charge, you know, for mileage and for parking fees or or copies to be made, that sort of thing. Absolutely. That's a very reasonable price. Sandra, I'm sorry to interrupt, but it's time for our first break for a few minutes. All right, listeners, we'll be right back after these important messages. Listening to Preservation Oaks, where we celebrate the great work of genealogical and historical societies and give you the information you need to get involved and have fun doing it. Hey everyone, this is Amuli Okudili. We'll be right back to Preservation Oaks with Sean Thomas Radcliffe after these important messages. This is Sandra Bankston, the president of the Fremont County Historical Society, and I listen to Sean Thomas Radcliffe and Preservation Oaks on Microstream Radio. Introducing a totally fun and boundless research experience. The Union County Genealogical Society, where expert-level volunteers, records, and historical access take you on an amazing journey to reveal your family lineage. Discover a world where the history and patterns of daily life of your ancestors come to life. The Union County Genealogical Society in Creston, Iowa, their legacy is yours. For more information, visit the website at uniongs.org or visit in person at the Matilda Gibson Memorial Library at 200 West Howard Street, Creston, Iowa. You can also call 641-782-2277 for more details, appointments, and hours, and of course, you can email them at uniongs at gmail.com. Hello, this is Sean Thomas. If you have a society in your area, then please support them with your volunteer time and funding. The more support they have, the more they can benefit the community in terms of providing records for family research and education for the public and students in grades K through 12. With adequate funding, the society can stand up a museum or sponsor historical and fun events in order to tell the historical story of the area and its inhabitants. Maintaining a society makes a huge difference in a community. Please don't wait. 
Show your support for your local historical or genealogical society today. They preserve our heritage and culture for existing and future children of all ages. Thank you. This is Christy Deitmeyer from the Dyersville Area Historical Society, and I love listening to Sean Thomas Radcliffe on MicroStream Radio. Ah, history. The aroma is like rich farm soil or a familiar old book, the flavor bold and decadent, the touch divine. And the stories? Yes. The stories are luxury simply defined. Introducing Preservation Oaks, a program featuring museums, cultural and heritage institutions, historical and genealogical societies across the United States. If you think you're familiar with the stories of history, you haven't experienced listening to Preservation Oaks, the program that invites you to experience each unique episode featuring professionals from these essential organizations. Select any episode from wherever you get your podcasts, then sit back and enjoy the luxury of history. No worries, because the enjoyment's on us. Um, let me catch up on Preservation Oaks emails. Here's one from Sandy in New York, she says. Is it out yet? Okay, here's another one, it's Bill in Arizona, saying, is it out yet? Oh man, and now it's Sarah in Minnesota, hi, is it out yet? Stop, I can't read all these, let me tell you all, the wait is over. A new episode of Preservation Oaks is released every two weeks, stuffed with information, history, genealogy, and everything you need to know to support your favorite cultural, genealogical, or historical society or museum throughout the United States. Listen to each new episode only at Preservation Oaks. Yes. If you're a historical or genealogical society listening to Preservation Oaks, and you'd like to be a guest on the program, please email preservationoaks at gmail.com. Again, that's preservationoaks at gmail.com. And now, back to Preservation Oaks. Welcome back to Preservation Oaks. I'm your host, Sean Thomas Radcliffe, and we're here today with Sandra Leininger from the Union County Genealogical Society located in Creston, Iowa. For this segment, we'll chat about the society's role in the community, what kinds of outreach and events and education, and especially any records or collections on-site or online the society maintains for the public and their members. Welcome back, Sandra. Thank you. Hey, what kind of outreach and education does the society undertake within the community? I think our biggest outreach is we do let other organizations know that we're available to come and give programs. I would say our biggest outreach program is our participation in the Union County Fair. We are the sponsors of, I think I mentioned maybe that earlier in the program, we're the sponsors of the genealogy and history open class at the fair. We have um, multiple classes. I think it's 94 classes listed in about 10 different divisions. So there's something for anybody that has anything they would 
have been doing in the area of family history research that they can bring to the fair, enter an exhibit. We give out ribbons as well as prize money attached to those ribbons. Oh, nice. We have a judge come in and judge the exhibits from away from here. They don't know anybody, so they can't be impartial. That has been a really good way to reach out to the community and let it know it's available. We also have a division, what we call the junior class, and that is for any um, young people that are interested in family history to enter an exhibit age 16 and under. We have a coloring competition that we give out prize money for in two or three different classes for the youth, as well as we offer two beginning genealogy classes for people wanting to learn more about how to go about doing their family research. That is really good. What kinds of exhibits do you normally get? Do people turn in? Everything from a complete notebook where they've had their family history. We do really strongly encourage they need to have some type of tie to Union County, which is not hard to do. Most of them do. Pictures, but you have to write a little card and tell the story about the picture or a little bit about your family history. So it can be artifacts as well as some of your research that you've done. Oh, really cool. And then you judge those displays. Are they like on poster board or something? Some are on poster board. Some are in notebooks. One thing we don't have that people bring is quilts because we don't have a good play to display those. There is an open class quilt show, so you can do an over in the quilt division. We've had people bring, um, for example, this year I want to enter in one of my grandmother's um, china cups and saucers. It was from France. It's a chocolate cup that her grandfather and grandmother gave her on her 16th birthday. Wow, very nice. Does your society do work with school children other than at the annual fair? Yes, we do. Last year, we did a program as part of our first Saturday program. It was designed to invite any students that were interested in family history but especially those working for a patch in Girl Scouts or Boy Scouts in genealogy, as well as 4-H projects. And we had attendance of about 20 young people come to that. And we let the leaders in both of those organizations know that we were available to help any of their members that were looking to work towards genealogy. I know the Girl Scouts have a patch and there are some classes both at the county fair and the state fair for 4-H exhibits. Oh, very cool. You said that the annual fair, and it sounds like you guys go all out. There's a lot of work involved in what you do at the county fair every year. Do you sponsor any other holiday events for Christmas or that kind of thing? We did one three years ago, I believe it was, and it was at Christmas time, and it was a celebration of the 40th anniversary of our society, our Ruby celebration. And that was organized like in December. So we had an open house. People came back that were charter members and it, we had a big celebration with that. But we don't do that every year. Okay. I know you said you publish a newsletter. Is that newsletter just for members or can anyone get it from your website? Well, we do promote it as a a benefit for membership, but it is on the website, so the public, it is available to the public, too. Oh, great. So how do you keep the community informed about the progress of the society in achieving its mission? 
Well, three ways. Our local radio station has a program called Grapevine, where they promote local activities. About once a month, I go on the program and I will be interviewed with any upcoming events we have, sharing the first Saturday programs as well as our monthly meeting and telling who the speakers are and what the presentation will be about. So we do it through the radio. We also have a Facebook page that we keep up to date that puts all this information on, as well as our website and then the local newspaper. We publish our minutes after our meetings each month. I send out press releases and articles prior to our first Saturday program, especially, and the conference. I am the regional representative for on the board of directors at the Iowa Genealogical Society for this region, which involves six counties. And many of those counties, genealogist societies, sadly, have closed. And so I also send out those press releases and let that information be known through the newspapers in our surrounding counties around Union County. Well, that's a shame that they closed. Do you go after their records if you hear that they close? We don't go after them, but we do follow up to find out where the records are. And in almost every, well, I would say in every county, they're either available to the public at their historical society, if they have a historical society with, oh, right. a, with their own uh, village or building that where they can be accessed. And several of the communities have them in their public library. So we do promote that and let people know about that. Thanks for that. Regarding education and outreach, I know that you constantly do events, and these events are listed on your website. There's quite a few of them, and there's quite a few that are very interesting. The next couple of events after this episode goes live on May 9th. The first one is May 23rd. And it's your monthly society meeting. The program there is organizing your research. Is that correct? That was what we had put on our brochure and on our website. But in speaking with the speaker for this month in April, she's not going to be able to be there. So I think we're going to change next month. And it's probably going to be about genealogical records or any records that might be available through our clerk of court in Union County. If they're accessible and if so, when they're accessible just finding out what she has available that might help us in our research. Oh, thank you for that. The next one after that is June 4th, and it's the state census records of Iowa, which is very interesting because states did censuses on their own. And usually if you can't find it in the federal, or even if you can find your ancestors in the federal the state census has additional information. Yes, and I have a personal relationship with that one in 1895. The family story was in my family that my great-great-grandfather had had a lot of land and he lost it through gambling. And he left my great-great-grandmother and I knew she was buried here in Union County, just south of Kent in Platte Township where I'd grown up. And I looked for probably 10 or 15 years trying to find great-great-grandpa Henry. And one day, it just struck me, why don't I look at the Iowa census? Because I had his wife, Mary Ann's obituary. So I had a date in her obituary. It told when he had died. Oh, good. 
And I thought, I'm going to look at the Iowa census. So I just put in his name for all of Iowa because the family history was that he had left her uh, because they thought he was so embarrassed. And he went to Missouri to um, stay with his sister and brother-in-law. But I couldn't find him in Missouri. I looked over in Kansas, couldn't find him. One day I decided to look up the 1885 census. That was two years before he died in Iowa. And there he was in Henry County. And he was in a, what they in those days called an insane asylum. I guess the family thought it was nicer to say he ran away than to say they had put him in an insane asylum. So in talking with other genealogists, which were trying to make me feel better, you know, (laughs) they said, you know, Sandra, they put a lot of people like that. He could have been starting to get senile. And if he was losing their land through gambling or playing cards or being taken advantage of, they might have placed him there for his protection and to protect your grandmother. So she had something to live on. Yeah, that's a good point. But anyway, I found him and I was just pleased to know where he was. That's got to be a good feeling. So what kinds of records has the society received as donations from the public? I would say the most prevalent one is that when people donate their family histories, they've done their family research. Sometimes they have it published. Sometimes it's just in a notebook. But those things have been really helpful to us. Other times, people uh, will buy a genealogy book or a set of books that they, when they're finished with them doing their research, they'll donate them to the library. Oh, yeah. So those are the types of things, mostly what we have been receiving. Now, I know you have to store these things, you know, so that they're archived and they're preserved. Do you have a strategy for digitization of documents and photos? As a society, we don't have right now. However, our public library is looking into digitizing all the Union County newspapers. And there are some in our state, there are some funding programs from the State Historical Society of Iowa that has some grant programs. It's called the Historic Resource Development Program. And there are funds there to help communities if they want to apply for grants. It's a matching grant. We have to raise the local money. And that program helps with trying to preserve your records and collections. And I do think the society has talked about this in the future. These will probably be some things we might be doing in partnership with the library. Yep. Very worthwhile to save those things. Yes. Does your society have a relationship with county government or state government uh, to ensure records are not thrown away, but instead given to the genealogical society? I would say yes, we do. We have a good relationship with the Union County uh, government. I see today I was looking at uh, the recorder's office and it had a link that you could click to find out about the records that they have and when they're available and how we can uh, access them to look at them. We also have a strong relationship with the Iowa Genealogical Society. We, in fact, uh, later in the summer, we're going to do, be doing a field trip to the Iowa Genealogy Library. And as I said earlier, it's right across the street from the state of Iowa Archives Library in Des Moines. And so we're going to be going to do that. The other good relationship I'd say we've had In working with the cemeteries, we have built up a good relationship with the trustees. In our state, the the township trustees are responsible for the the, uh, the cemeteries in their township. Okay. And so 
when you're doing that kind of work, it's good to build a relationship with the clerk of the, the township or the trustees. Those are probably our strongest links. The other good one that we have a good relationship is with the Union County Historical Society. We made a field trip out there last fall because they also have some genealogy records there. They're helpful in our research. And we wanted to go out and look for ourselves to see just what records they did have. They're in the process of organizing theirs better, too. And so they're accessible to people coming to Union County to do research. Uh, that's another place they should look besides the Gibson Memorial Library. Very cool. Thank you for that. you have any online search capability on your website? The research that you can do on our website, our website's set up so there is the public side and then there is also the membership-only side. For example, if you're wanting to research the cemeteries in Union County, if you go to the cemetery tab, what will pop up is all the cemeteries, and each cemetery is listed twice, one with public viewing, one with membership-only viewing. If you look at the public view, you will get the surname, the first name of your ancestor, the birth year, the death year if we have it. That's about it. It's like an index. But if you're a member and you log in as a member, you might find their their military record. You will find everything that we have been able to find about that person. For example, I put on the information that I knew about my own family in terms of the ancestors' parents, if I knew their name, the spouse, their siblings, their own children. So you get a lot of additional detailed information. The other benefit of membership you have if you're a member is we have a surname index and you can look on there and if you're a member, click on it and you can find other people that might be researching the same surname you are. Well, that's helpful. Well, so those are some of the things we have, yes. Thank you for that. What kinds of volunteer opportunities does the society have for members and the public? Right now, we can use volunteers to help us with our research in terms of getting the rest of our cemetery records on. Once we have our cemetery records on, of course, about every three years or so, you want to contact the trustees and the, take care of each of these cemeteries and update them. Yeah. So it's kind of a constant thing. The next big thing we would like to work on when the cemetery records are complete is putting together on our website all the obituaries that we have in our collection, which is sizable. We're still struggling and trying to figure out how's the easiest, quickest way we're going to be able to do that. Once we have the obituaries on there, when you will go into a cemetery record, to um, check on your ancestor as a member, there'll be a link that if you click it, that'll take you right over to their obituary also. So volunteers right now, and a lot of this work can be done in your own home. We set up our website with a company called EasyNet Sites, and they send us the format. We give the volunteers the format, and they can just plug in all the information. Oh, very cool. So are you planning with the obituaries? Is there any kind of electronic scanning device that makes that easier? Well, so many of the obituaries are in notebooks and they have put multiple ones on the same page. Like maybe there'll be six obituaries on one page. We're trying to figure out how we could do that. We 
at scan them, but scan them so we only have one, you know, instead of all six, right. because you want to have them alphabetized or some way to index them. So that's one of the things we're wrestling with right now. Yeah, that's hard. I would try to do anything to avoid typing all those in manually, but sometimes <laughs> you have to do it. <laughs> exactly. Another uh, volunteer jobs, you might call them, that we have is they can serve on, we have several standing committees, like we have a committee that takes care of the county fair and lines up the judges and all of that that goes with that. But there are several standing committees, an advertising or promotion committee, those types of things. So there's those volunteer opportunities, too. And we're always looking for, of course, people that are willing to become officers for the organization. Right. Do you have volunteers that do the genealogical research for people? We do. Mostly it's within our membership, but we could use others, too. We have a program committee, so they help plan the program for the next year, select the topics that they're interested in they'd like to know more about, that sort of thing. I ran across one society that had appointed or had a volunteer in each township and they were responsible for the information coming from the township. Do you have any structure in place like that? We don't have, but that's something that I'm glad you brought that up because that's something I have thought about if we could possibly get one person in each of those townships, that would be great. And even if they don't live there today, because many people have left the farms or moved away, you know, some of those townships have no um, town in them. So it's just farmland and farmsteads. But it could be someone that has now lives in Creston or somewhere else, but they have ties, historic ties to that township. What kinds of interesting books has your society published? I was looking through the root cellar today, and I noticed that we have several that we have published over the years. The one that caught my eye that I had kind of forgotten about, it's called Biographical and Historical. I don't remember the exact name, but it is a publication of people from both Union County and Ringo County. And Ringo County is the county directly south of us. And so there's been a lot of overlap on our southern edge of our county. Union County people being buried just over the line in Ringo County in a cemetery that's really close to the line, that sort of thing. Yeah. So that's one of them. I noticed there's like seven volumes that have been published of excerpts from the Afton Star Enterprise newspapers. Afton was the first little town that was the first county seat before Creston. We have multiple types of things like that. I noticed there's an interesting little booklet about memories that people had of early Union County. Right. So I think someone had probably done interviews with the elderly people that remember when Union County was coming around years ago and published those. Now, are all those books for sale to the general public? You don't have to be a member to use our gift shop and, and purchase items from that. That's open to the public. Very cool. So listeners, go check that out on the website. Oh, what did you call your gift shop? The Roots Cellar. And it's spelled like your grandma's cellar where she used to store her vegetables in the wintertime. Yeah. So it's Ruth's Cellar Gift Shop. Uh, thank you for that. I'd like to give the contact information for the Society, which includes the Society's website. Their website is unioncgs.org. 
and the society is physically located in the Matilda Gibson Memorial Library at 200 West Howard Street in Creston, Iowa, 50801. You can email the society at unioncgs at gmail.com, and you can make a call at 641-782-2277. Now, Sandra, you have a marvelous website. It's really well done. What kinds of things are available to do on your society's website? Well, for the researcher, we have put on there the history of the Mormons, which came through Union County uh, before they veered up towards the northwest and headed straight west to Canesville, which is now called Council Bluffs on the Missouri River on their trek west to Utah. We also have the history of each individual of the 12 townships on there. We have the history of Union County and the Bluegrass Palace. I think recently one of our members added some Swedish church family information. You can research um, the cemeteries that we have on there. We have all of our cemeteries on there now, but two. Nice. You can access our blog. We have a blog on there. You can access, of course, the events page that tells all the activities that's going to be coming up in the next year. We also have a printed version of that that you could contact us and have us send you a brochure that shows the first Saturday and all of the monthly meetings and the topics and presentations that are included. We also printed a brochure about our conference each year. We try to have that ready by the first of the year for the conference that's held. This year it's being held in April. We're trying to find a date that is the most beneficial to most people. It's kind of hard to do. Everybody's so busy these days. Oh, yeah. As I say, all the events are on there, all the cemetery records that we have to date. We have some military records from the Civil War that's on there. So there's quite a bit you can access to kind of get a feel for what's here if you're planning a trip here. You could get a lot of information to help you prepare for your trip to come. Now, can somebody join as a member via the website? Yes, they can. You can go into membership and it tells you all the benefits about your membership. And then it will tell you there'll be a link to a click to take you to be able to join our group. We've had a lot of people join online. That's great. Can somebody donate via the website? We do have a tab that says donation, and you can do that, and we're hooked up with PayPal. Oh, that's fantastic. That makes things so much better. Sandra, it's time for us to take our second break for a few minutes. All right, listeners, we'll pick up where we left off after the break. Thank you for listening to Preservation Oaks. If you're a member of a museum, historical or genealogical society that has not yet been featured as a guest on our program, please let them know to contact preservationoaks at gmail.com. We welcome everyone. Thank you. This program will now pause for universal identification.
Have a great time at the Union County Genealogical Society located in Creston, Iowa. For over 40 years, the Society's mission has been to meet the educational needs of their members through the preservation of the county's public records, cemetery records, newspapers and family histories for research by future generations. Learn more about your society at unioncgs.org and join them in accomplishing the mission. Visit, join, and support the Union County Genealogical Society today. Call 641-782-2277 for more details, appointments, and hours. You can also email them at unioncgs at gmail.com. When so much of history is about the big moments, it's the details stored and preserved in cultural, genealogical, historical societies and museums throughout the United States that makes the stories about the people and events of those times truly unique and enjoyable. With each episode of Preservation Oaks, you have an adventure where history comes to life. You can take pleasure in knowing more about these trusted American organizations, like how they're funded, how volunteers can help, their essential value to your community, and the services they give back. No detail is overlooked at Preservation Oaks. Visit preservationoaks.podbean.com today, where great adventures are presented in every episode. Ah, hello. Um, good evening Mr. Martin. It's Hans here. Um, sorry to call you at home, but it's about the new building, the um, new building we had the grand opening for last month. The $125 million building. Well, you know how we here use the metric system, obviously. Turns out the engineers don't. So, because of that it appears to be leaning somewhat dramatically. We got jacks and might save it yet, but um, statistically speaking it's unlikely. So please call me back, please. Have some unexpected free time coming up soon? Make good use of your free time listening to Preservation Oaks. This is Stacy Gosling, the president of the Winnesha County Historical Society in Decorah, Iowa, and I had a lot of fun as a guest on Preservation Oaks. Back in time, when people got sick, they got well again due to the knowledge their mom had from her mom and she in turn from her mom, and, well, you get the idea. A good knowledge of history is a good thing for all kinds of reasons when making decisions about the future. Learn the history of your ancestors and your community at your local historical or genealogical society. Historical traditions are there for a reason. Support your local society today and like a good mom, pass the knowledge on to your kids. And now, back to Preservation Oaks. Welcome back to Preservation Oaks. We're here today with Sandra Leininger from the Union County Genealogical Society in Creston, Iowa. Sandra, we've learned a lot and it's been great. Thank you for the information you've provided to our audience about your society. I want to pick up where we left off. Now, I know you mentioned that you're putting the cemetery records, trying to get those updated. 
Can you tell the audience about any current initiatives or needs of the society that you want your members and the people of your area to know about and support? I think that's probably the most important one is helping us get more of our records on there because there's not only obituary records, but in the future, we'd like to put more of the vital records such as birth and death and marriage records. I think the next one we'll probably work on after obituaries would be marriage records. So those are some things. Also important to us would be if people would let us know. In fact, we're getting ready to send out a survey to our current members as well as past members about anything that we could be doing that would be helpful to them that they would like to see us add, that type of thing. You know, are there certain topics they would like to see us find a speaker for? There are certain ethnicity groups that we have had a difficult time. We've got several people with some French ancestry, including me, and you just don't find too many people out there in our area anywhere, in our state even, that are available for doing a presentation on French research. Yeah, that's a difficult one. You could I think always... the French more than any other ethnicity group, as near as I can tell. When they came to America, they melted. They came right into the melting pot, so to speak. From my education days, the French came in and they actually populated a lot of the Canadian and Midwest fur trapping mm -hmm. and things like that. Yes. And then the English came in and the Germans came in after that. So the French mm -hmm. kind of got buried because the United States bought the Louisiana Purchase, which included a right. lot of that. And yes. so they kind of got buried. You might be able to find somebody on the Association of Professional Genealogists that has a speciality in French and entice them to mm -hmm. provide some information. We have a member that her ancestry is the French Huguenots, which were the French non-Catholics. So she's interested in that type of research. And, of course, one of the early, early cities in Iowa was Dubuque, which was French. Yep. What are your thoughts about how best to keep genealogy, history, and the community support flourishing for the current generation? I've done a little thinking about this question. First of all, genealogy societies are really great resources for family historians, whether you're a beginner or you're advanced. And they can be formed, and genealogy societies are really formed for a variety of reasons. Sometimes a genealogy society is formed as a common linkage. It can be formed because of a surname. It can be, because, be a, a group that forms because of a certain ethnicity. Geographical research localities, such as Union County Genealogical Society, or it can be formed around a current place of uh, residence. But as a local group, I think we have something no state or regional or national organization can replace. And that's knowledge of and commitment to Union County. We know where all the treasures are buried. All right. And I would say five reasons for you to join a genealogy society. First would be the benefits of it would be the camaraderie of finding other people that are interested in a topic that you're interested in, family history. A second reason and an important one is mentoring. When you can network with other people that are into genealogy through the membership, if you run into a brick wall, someone will say, you know, I had that problem and this is how I worked around it. 
you find ideas and suggestions that can help you with your research. The third reason I'd say would be you have access to local resources that you might not always find everywhere else. Even when I go on Family Search or Ancestry, I know there's a record here at the courthouse, but it's not showing up when they did their research. Either they missed it or it could have been that person was born after they did their research here. Another way is you can extend your reach through genealogy. For example, my ancestors settled as they moved across uh, the Midwest. They started out on my dad's side. They came in through Philadelphia. They went down into the Shenandoah Valley in Virginia. Then they were in Kentucky. Then they moved into Ohio. A few of them stayed, and a few of them moved on to Indiana. A few of them stayed, a few moved on to Illinois. Some of them stayed, and finally mine arrived in southwest Iowa. So if you reach out to, say, the Genealogy Society uh, in the county which your ancestors settled in Fulton County, you can make connections with people that can maybe help you with your research without your having to travel there. So it's helpful if you find genealogy societies that can help you with your research in other areas your ancestors live. And then I'd say one of the most important ones is educational opportunities, such as our programs that we try to help people with their research, providing those educational opportunities. Right. And as a member, you get discounts on those classes and conferences and discounts on the research fees. Yes, we do. The best way for people to connect with someone at the Society if they have questions is to call or email, or what would you recommend? I would recommend they use our email address, and I would recommend then, secondly, they call the, the library number. We have a genealogy librarian at Gibson Memorial, and she will put you in touch with the right person to help you answer your questions. Now, I read on Google Street View as I was cruising through Creston, I saw a sign at the library where the Genealogy Society is located that they're planning to expand. Can you tell us more about that? They've been doing fundraising for some time now, the Friends of the Library, because they do have the architect plans and they are planning on adding an addition to our public library. At the time, they invited all of us into the planning session with the architects. And so I was there to represent the genealogy group and they see the value of the genealogy collections and they are planning on expanding our area for those genealogy collections, which would be really helpful. Another thing we need is storage where we can store the things that are for sale in our root cellar and they're running out of space at the public library. All right. Well, that'll be great. When is that scheduled to be completed or do you have a date yet? I don't know of the date. I don't know if they have a date when it's completed. It's probably as soon as they raise the funds. That's going to be great for the community and great for yes, your society. It really is. Is there any other information or message you'd like the community or members to know about? Just join your local genealogy society, become a part of it. Finding your family roots is a really exciting hobby. It is fantastic. Sandra, reflecting just a bit, 
How do you think your members, the volunteers, the community view you and the society in terms of benefit and value? I think it depends on who you're talking to. There's still a lot of people that really aren't aware, and it's up to us to make them more aware of the importance of history and their own family history. I think those that are aware of us, I think we've had a pretty positive feedback. They seem to be happy. I know when we contacted, for example, the Girl Scout and Boy Scout leaders, they were really pleased that we were offering these classes or help to any of their members of their organization was wanting to work on genealogy patches. We've had a good relationship with the FAIR board. I think they're pleased that we have been able to increase the people that visit the FAIR because of the genealogy. It is, I say, an interesting hobby, and people are more and more, I think, becoming interested in it. I think that's also due to some of the programs they now have on TV, such as the one on uh, public television with Dr. Gates, finding your roots. Right. So all those things, I think, kind of help. That's fantastic. Thank you so much for spending time with us. We've learned a lot. I can tell you, you have a great society, a great website, and I'm really glad to meet you. Well, it was really nice to meet you. It's been really interesting how much you and your society do to help the community and your members. I'm sure you get tons of queries all the time. And just from what I see on your website, or anybody can see on your website, you guys are working hard all the time. Yes, it does take up a fair amount of your time, but it's a labor of love. And with that, we'll end our time with our guest, President Sandra Leininger. Listeners, please stay tuned for my comments and wrap-up, which are coming up next. Welcome back. I got to say to all of you, I love doing this program. We meet such professional and interesting people all across the country. The most pressing priority of the Union County Genealogical Society at this time is getting their records online and helping to gather the funding for the expansion of the genealogy area of the Matilda Gibson Memorial Library as they complete the extension of the building. The Society is updating their online cemetery records then adding the hundreds of obituaries and marriage records they have, as well as helping to digitize newspapers. The timeline for getting this work done is based on donations and volunteers. Much of this work can be completed by volunteers from home. The Society also needs additional storage space, more volunteers, and members. The Society is also looking for member volunteers who want to join committees and become Society officers. One very special and unique event the Society organizes is at the annual Union County Fair. They sponsor a genealogy and history open class competition where there are 94 classes and 10 divisions for judging, awards, and prize money. They also have a junior class for young people under the age of 17. They provide educational classes also during the fair. This is a lot of work to organize and sponsor each year but a great community engagement event. If you have to travel and stay in the area while performing your research, the area has several hotels and restaurants. 
The Matilda Gibson Memorial Library has a specific genealogy librarian named Terry who can hook you up with people to help you while you're there. This quote from Sandra, What separates us from others is that we are dedicated to Union County and have the most in-depth knowledge of our county, and we know where all the treasures are buried. Here you can get camaraderie, mentoring, help to extend and enhance your research, and access to local expert resources. They are accessible to anyone of any age, and they have very reasonable rates for membership and research. Listeners, by all means, join, donate, volunteer, visit, shop online at the Roots Cellar Gift Shop via their website, and otherwise support the Union County Genealogical Society. They help all kinds of people every year with their research by mentoring, consulting, and performing research. They have monthly educational programs and an annual genealogy conference, all available for members via Zoom. The cost for research, copies, and membership are very reasonable, and you get several excellent benefits for members, including discounts and additional access to the online information they have available. Check it out on their website, uniongs.org. Now, there were a thousand questions I could have asked during our time together, but I didn't in the interest of time. If questions occur to you and you'd like more information, please connect with the Society via the contact information I'm about to give you. If you're a listener in the area the Society serves, or if you're a listener researching ancestors in the community the Society serves, and you're not already a member, please consider joining and supporting the Society. The Society's website, as I mentioned, is uniongs.org. They're at the Matilda Gibson Memorial Library, 200 West Howard Street, Creston, Iowa, 50801. The first preferred contact method is email, and it is uniongs at gmail.com. The second preferred contact method is by phone at 641-782-2277. I hope this information helps the audience understand how valuable the society is within the county and what kinds of excellent services they have to offer to their members and the public. And by the way, the Union County Genealogical Society, located in Creston, Iowa, is truly one of our nation's preservation oaks. And it was a pleasure to interview Sandra Leininger. Okay, that's a wrap for this episode. Music used today is from Scott Holmes, The Mini Vandals, DJ Williams, Track Tribe, Tim McMorris, and Symbolbird. Microstream Radio is a registered trademark. This broadcast is owned and copyrighted by Microstream Radio. It cannot be rebroadcast, downloaded, copied, or used anywhere without the written permission of Microstream Radio. Thanks to everyone for listening. This is Sean Thomas Radcliffe. See you all next time on Preservation Oaks. <laughs> <laughs>